Welcome to Mind Over Miles, a show about the mental lessons learned and practiced on the run. In season one, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the book I'm writing about the mental side of running and motherhood. I'm sharing the interviews I've done for the book with professional, elite, and regular runners who are also mothers. Thank you to all my interviewees, and thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Monera Hayes is a professional runner who first ran Division II track at Livingstone College in her home state of North Carolina. You don't see a lot of D2 athletes going pro, so her story is unique in that way. She holds multiple world championship gold medals, and in 2021, when her son Demetrius was two years old, she won the U.S. Olympic Trials 400 meter. The race got a lot of media attention with pictures of her on the track with her son, next to Allison Felix, who finished second that race, and her daughter Cammie, with headlines all about these supermom Olympians. At the Tokyo Olympics, she placed seventh in the 400, and we talk more about that race in our interview. We also talk about her faith, mistakes and forgiveness, how she focuses on the process, and why running is meaningful to her. You know, just like drop me into your day. What have you been doing today? What's your day looked like? Um, what great. Oh my goodness. Today I woke up at four this morning. Um, that's because sometimes during the night DP gets, I don't know if he has like nightmares or something, but like every night he just goes through this thing where he just, he's whining, um, in the middle of the night. And I don't know, like, I don't know what he, what's going on. And he's still like, he's still sleeping. So I'm like, wake, like DP, wake up, wake up, wake up. So he did that this morning at four. Um, so I stayed up cause like normally I would go back to sleep, but I wanted to do my prayer time which is at six so today I just like you know if I stay up I can make my prayer time because normally if he does that I will go back to sleep and miss my prayer time to get the rest of my sleep so I woke up at four did my prayer time at um like 6 30 because my mom goes to work at like five so I'm waiting for her to leave the house so I did my prayer time from like six to six thirty or maybe six forty five I took my nana to breakfast who lives next door um the breakfast sat with her at her house this morning and then my son and I we did our morning worship that we normally do every morning we did our morning worship and then he did his morning school which is YouTube with Miss Monica she has a thing called circle time so we do that every morning with her and then um, I came back over to my house my mom's house I took me a nap he stayed up watching TV and um, I woke up from my nap around 11 30. I got dressed. I went to my old high school to go see some of my teachers and stuff like that and the principal. So I went around and um, talked to a few of the students there. And once I got back, I went to go. I came home and ate lunch. We ate lunch. And then I went to my friend's house to go visit her, who's like my sister. Um, She was my maid of honor in my wedding. And now I'm back home. I was over there for about 30 minutes. I had to get back home. Um, Because, you know, it's like school's letting out. So the traffic over here is really bad. Mm. So now I'm I'm here talking to you. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Lots of lots of good things in one day. Yeah, I've been on the since I've been in North Carolina, I literally been on the go every single day. Um, So, yeah, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And did your your high school have any kind of uh, event for for you? As their no, Olympian? No, no. We'll probably do something next year uh, because they didn't know. Because I didn't even know when I was going to come home or how long I was going to be home. Um, today was just like yeah. a surprise. 
for them um, just to, you know, go back and show my face and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, make sure that's out. true. I didn't, I, I forgot about schools and COVID stuff that, yeah, they're probably putting off yeah, it, big yeah, events like that. Yeah. And I would just be able to walk around in the classrooms and stuff like that and see all of my old teachers. But today, you know, now it's, it's you know, it's a lot, it's a lot different now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool that you got to surprise them. Yeah. It, I had a, it had um, a really good time. It was awesome. It's really nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, then I was going to just jump in here. Um, and uh, did you, um, I don't know if you're, uh, Nicole, if she had shared with you some of the questions I had in mind. Yeah. You didn't have um, to. I looked over. Okay. You didn't have to prepare anything, but just was curious if you had like a background or not. Um, but I can tell you just kind of a little background of, um, my idea for the book. So I want the book to be, um, a, a way to celebrate all the strengths that being a runner and a mother brings you. Um, and not in a like washing over the challenges kind of way, but, uh, a way of showing like, yes, there are a lot of challenges that come in running and motherhood, but also there are a lot of tools you can use that you already have. If you're a runner that will help you in your parenting, um, and vice versa, there are these tools you develop in parenting that help you in your running um, and focusing a lot on the like the mental side of things. So there's not really the book isn't really going to be um, like, you know, core exercises and PT for women who are pregnant. It's going to be more about the sports psychology, the mental mindset part of it. Um, and yeah, I wanted to do this because I feel like there's a lot of talk of the challenges in, in motherhood. Um but I haven't seen a lot of stories about like all the strength and capabilities um, in mothers uh, who are also runners. So that's kind of the the overarching idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's um, great. Yeah. And so um, I've heard you say that you felt like this past year you've been more mentally fit than ever, like also more physically fit than ever, but I've heard you say you feel like you especially are more mentally fit than ever. And I wanted to hear more about, how you got there and what you mean by that. Um, more mentally fit would be more just uh, toning in on my spiritual side and my faith and really um, applying that more into my running. And like you said, and being a mom, because that's literally the driving force of everything that I do um, is putting God first in both on the track and off the track and in my everyday life and making sure that his, his will for my, my life is, you know, what I'm striving for. Um, and it was a, it was a thing where mentally I always had to really just keep myself going because there were times where I wanted to, to quit. And, you know, you don't see the progress of what it is that you're doing and you just feel like you're not getting anywhere. It was a thing where I had to, days where I want to quit, I was just think about my son um, and just what I wanted, want to teach him in the future as he gets older, you know, being able to say, well, your mom, I continue to do this and I continue that. My thing is I want to be an example for him. So and I'm like, how can I teach him something that I have not done myself um, or that I haven't experienced myself? So that's one of my the mental things that I would always go through. Um, and then for the mental things as far as being a mom and track, like I had to, because I'm a track athlete, I've learned a lot about discipline. I've learned a lot about being patient when it comes to, like I said, my child, because, you know, to be a parent, you have to be very patient. 
with your kid who's actually growing every day, doesn't know anything about the world. So that patience that I have with track and waiting things out and watching things unfold, I have to have that same patience with my son and developing him as he gets older, as I'm developing myself, as I get older as a track athlete and as a mom and as a woman of God and as a wife. Yeah. And so I'm curious with patience, um, you know, you hear a lot about you have to have patience with kids because like they can be frustrating if you know if they're the toddler or something. Um, can you think of any examples of like other ways that you feel like you're bringing patience into your parenting um, that kind of relates to that patience that you feel like you've developed through your faith? Um, just teaching him. Teaching him. If that, is that what you mean? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, just like any examples you have of um, using patience in your parenting. Yeah, teaching him, like, you know, when it's when I'm trying to get him to learn certain things, you know, he's not in school, he's not in daycare. So basically, I try to homeschool him as much as possible. And there's just times where he's just, you know, he does not want to sit down or he does not want to, you know, do the work that I know he knows how to do. It. I know he's listening or you want him to cooperate. And it's just like he'd rather just go here and go there and run. And, and I'm just like, OK, you know, just give me just like three minutes of your time. That's all, you know, that's all mommy asked for is just three minutes of your time. And when it's coming to patients to get him to eat, because sometimes he doesn't want to eat, um, he just wants to snack. So it's just knowing t- how to step back for a second when he's testing my patience, just being able to step back for a minute and just like kind of meet him on his level and to be as calm as possible. You know, sometimes it doesn't work that way. You know, I do get, you know, I have to say, GNDB, stop. You know, and I, I always just have to pray about those moments. And I just feel bad about those moments. But um, it's just literally every day is a test of patience. Because um, like you said, they, they're constantly growing. So you just never know what you're going to get when your child wakes up the next morning. Because, like, they're he's growing so fast. And then, you know, like I said, at nighttime when he's up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, just whining. And I don't know what to do. Like, I really have to, because at that point, I'm tired, and I'm trying to get my rest yeah. because I have training the next day. So for me to be up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, like I said, it throws me off. So I really have to just, sometimes I just have to, like, I close my eyes, and I just take a deep breath, and I just, like, I have to pray sometimes because I'm just, so it just gets overwhelming. And then I have to, like, try to focus myself for training, in a, which I have in a few hours, um, and just waking up and being able to get him situated with um, eating breakfast and trying to do my, my Bible time in the morning before I go to practice. <sighs> so yeah, <laughs> like yeah. every day is a challenge. <laughs> yeah. It's my, I, uh, my baby is only six months old and I think all the time like, Ooh, I've got it in for me right now. It's like pretty easy, but when she can, when she's going to be a toddler, um, it's going to be that world you're in right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's- yeah. And when you say um, that you'll you'll feel bad for a moment when you get frustrated, um, I'm curious, do you have ways that you like help yourself not beat yourself up over that or try to like take away some of that, those feelings of, of guilt or shame about that? Yeah, I just tell myself that, you know, nobody's a perfect parent and that, you know, we all feel frustrated, just like, you know, my son gets frustrated, you know, I get frustrated, everybody gets frustrated. So I just, you know, just I go to him and I just, I love on him and tell him that mommy loves him and, you know, just give him that reassurance that, you know, I'm sorry for yelling at you, but mommy just got a little frustrated, but you know, I love you, you know? 
Um, and I just pray and just continue to just do to help myself better, to be more aware next time that it happens that I don't yell or I don't get super frustrated where I'm, you know, hurting his feelings. Um, so it's, it's just really just taking a step back and realizing that I'm going to make mistakes and I'm not a perfect mother. Um, and just being okay with not being perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in those moments where you're feeling kind of like your patience is being tested and you say, you know, you stop and you pray, what are, what kind of things are going through your head? What kind of things are you thinking about or saying? Um, just asking God to give me strength to, to just show, be loving towards him or to show him the love that he may need in this moment and to help me to understand what it is that he's going through because sometimes he can't communicate what he's feeling. And I have to understand that, okay, Quinier, he's only two. So you have to try to meet him like where he's at and figure out what's wrong and ask him different things in these moments to figure out what's going on. Okay. Do you want a snack? Okay. Do you have to potty? Okay. Do you have to take a nap? Just trying to figure out like where he's at and what it is that he's looking for. Do you want to watch something on YouTube? You know, um, just really trying to just go down the list of what it is that could be wrong with him because he can't communicate what's wrong with him. So, you know, that's really one of the main things that I focus on when it comes to those frustrating moments. It's like, all right, Quinera, he's two. He can't communicate his feelings the way you can um, right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm cur- I'd be curious to hear more about what your morning prayer practice looks like that you do by yourself and then also what you do with Demetrius. Um, so by myself, I wake up, um, I will start either, sometimes I'll start with worship or I will, um, just play some like background music, like some meditation music. And then I'll just do some prayer out loud. And then I will go and get, I have a, I have three Bibles. <laughs> um, and then I have a notebook, which I am studying Ephesians right now. So I will do a brain dump, which is something where I just write down everything that's on my mind before I start my my, my studying. Um, and then do I do a prayer and I write it down and I give God thanks for, you know, what I'm thankful for. After I do my prayer, I do something that I would say, I put repent and I just ask God for forgiveness for my sins. And then I'll put ask, and then I just ask him for things that I'm wanting from him, whether it be, you know, more discernment, whether it be to know him more or, you know, whether it be like anything that's going on in my marriage or whatever I'm asking. And then I write down a memory verse, which is John 15 and four, which was on my son's shirt um, at Olympic trials. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that was that has been that has been my verse this for this entire past season. It's just about, you know, rem- remaining in God, because with that, you know, with him, no matter if I win or lose, I'm still going to be fruitful. I'm still going to get what he has promised me um, if I could, you know, stay in my faith. So yeah, I do the memory verse and then I do my passage study, which I'm studying Ephesians. Um, I'm on Ephesians four right now. So I just go through that. And then that, that concludes like my morning. Um, and then, you know, I do breakfast and stuff like that. So once I wake Demetrius up and we have breakfast, I take him back to my room. I turn on YouTube and we will watch uh, praise ye the Lord um, off of YouTube, which is if you, what see my Instagram is he um we have a song of him singing Praise Ye the Lord. And then we do something with, um I think it's called Listener Kids. I think that's what that's called. It's a um it's a bunch of Christian songs for little kids and then in the middle of like uh, each after each song they say a verse. 
So we'll do that each morning with him. And then, you know, we pray every night. I'll read to him at nighttime and stuff like that. But I was like, hey, Demetrius, it's time to pray. And then he'll put his hands yeah. up. And I'm done praying. I'll mm-hmm. say amen. So I will point when he was born. I would like point at each person who was around us. So now he's gotten to the habit. Like after he's done praying, like he will point at each person for them to say amen. And if you don't say amen, he oh. looks at you. And- Until you say amen. <laughs> we, you know, let him know like this is what you say when you're done praying. You say amen. So yeah, that's him, really like, sweet. How and stuff like that. So if I'm doing my worship around the house after practice, you know, I'm lifting my hands and I'm singing like hallelujah and stuff like that. So that way he can see, you know, what worship looks like. So when I say, Demetrius, are you ready to worship? You know, and he'll like lift his little hands and like, hallelujah. It's, it's so cute. Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Is there, is there someone in your life or people in your life who you feel like help you relate um, your spiritual side to your sport to, to all your training and running, or is that something that you're kind of, you're making those connections yourself? I made them myself. Um, my coach is a very spiritual person, you know, um, but like the connections I've made and getting through what I, what I, what I'm doing and you know, how I, how I choose to go about everything. It's just a connection I've made for myself and just knowing that, you know, I can't do this without God. Um, and it's just prepared me for my life after track and field. Cause, um, I like, I love God. I love Jesus. And I know that, you know, I can't do anything without him. So that's just really, it just really just ties in together because that's my, my faith is who I am. You know, being a woman of God is who I am. That's who I am first. And then I am a track athlete. So God uses track as a means for me to tell people about him. Um, This is just a platform that I'm using to spread his word, to spread his gospel and to spread his love and show people the love of God, you know, that I receive from him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm curious. Um, but, and on top of the things you've already talked about how you feel like being a mom has made you a better runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, and I to can not ask get... more. Oh yeah. You oh, go ahead. You want to be... Oh yeah. It just tells me to, tells me not to give up. Um, like I'm a lot more like, go get it now um, because I'm a mom, because I know my son is my purpose. Um, he gives me greater purpose when it comes to track and field, because like I've said, um, said in other interviews, like I was going to stop running um, before I found out I was pregnant with him. So now yeah. like he is part of my driving force. Like in those days where I feel like giving up, I'm in training. I'm just like, mommy's doing this for you. I'm literally saying out loud. All right. Mommy's doing this for you. Mommy's doing this for you. Demetrius. like, I love you. And like, I'm literally thinking about him when those, when the days get so hard, I just want to cry or I want to quit. You know, I just, I sit there and think about my son and it literally just gives me this extra boost of confidence, extra boost boost of energy. And it makes me, it makes you not want to give up. Like I said, because you have somebody looking up to you and one day I'm going to tell his, tell him this story. So it just keeps me, it keeps me going and it makes me want to be more disciplined, just do things I've never done as far as what can I do to make myself better? I'm always thinking about what can I do to make myself better? It's like, I'm always thinking about what can I do to make myself a better mom for my son or to make, give him a better future. And that's another reason what makes me a different runner now. And I'm just thinking about setting him up with a great future that when I leave this earth, you know, God be no time soon, 
that I made it laid a foundation for him now. And I'm going to get that through track and field. Cause that's just literally the avenue that God has taken me through to set up literally everything else in my life. Um, so it's just that to just to keep pushing. Like if I can get through childbirth, they're like, Oh, you can get through anything. <laughs> you can get through. Yeah. Or being a mom on top of that, like you just have to have so much strength to come home after a hard age of training and parent, um, you know, even I'm married and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like if my child wants food or he wants anything, you know, he's going to come to mom first. Um, even if his dad mm-hmm. is sitting right there, he's going <laughs> to find me. Um, so like it, it just gives you a different strength because you just have to wear so many hats and try to find time for yourself at the end of the day to be a mom and stuff like that. It just overall makes me a better person. And then it makes me just more disciplined in my craft of wanting to be better, honestly. Yeah. Do you think about, you know, have you thought about when you're in workouts, for example, like, oh my God, you know, I got through childbirth, I can get through this. Or like, do you think about those parts of yourself as a mother when you're out there training? All the time. All the time. Like I can handle a lot more hurt now. Um, like let's say if my shins is hurting or my hip is hurting, I, I can run through those types of things now. Like my, my strength is like times 10 as before when I had my son. Um, I, when it comes to like even my longer distance runner running, I'm a lot better than I was now than I was before. And I play a, my son plays a huge part in that, you know, giving birth to him and being a mom plays a big part of, a big part of that. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to getting my times down even more each week. You know it hurts, but I'm able to handle that hurt a lot better and not and not stop running. Yeah. What are some of the the phrases that you say to yourself while you're out there training? Um, I tell myself that I am strong. Um, I tell myself that I'm doing this for my son. I tell myself that God has a plan. Um, and mainly it's just uh, telling like okay. God, get me through this. One more. I can do this. Um, it just really, and I tell myself to keep my form. I talk about like track. It's like what I need, know I need to do to get through it. But it's mainly telling that, all right, Quinera, you're strong. God is with you. Uh, ask him to give me strength, give me speed, give me endurance, and just really just take me. I And sometimes I really just pray to be in worship with him when it comes to my running. Because, you know, running is my peace. That's when I really don't have don't think about anything, um, but being in worship with him and just letting him use me the way that he wants to use me. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of something I read that you were saying about what you think about before races is, is you're not thinking you're, you're praying. Yeah. And, um, I think you said that when you're, when you're thinking you have limits, um, but when you're praying, you don't have limits. Um, and I'm curious yeah. if, uh, if you can say more about that, for in terms of your life as a runner or in parenting? Running, it would be like when I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the race plan. I'm thinking of the race strategy instead of really fully letting God be able to use me to do what he's capable of. Because the times that I want to run, I know I can only do that through Christ. Yes, I do train and I train really hard, but I know that when I want to, when I put a time, oh, I want to run 49 seconds. That's putting a limit on what God can do. If God wants me to run 47, he can get me to run 47. But if I'm limited in my thinking, I can only think beyond 49 seconds, you know? Um, And then when it comes to my chat, when it comes to being a mom, I would say 
I do have to think about that a little more, <laughs> a little more than, you know, track because, you know, when I'm thinking about him, I'm thinking about, okay, what am I going to teach him today? You know, what are we going to learn yeah. today for his home? What lessons do I want to teach him? So I have to do a lot more thinking and I have, want to be led by God on what, how he wants me to raise DP. So, you know, it, it, thinking requires, comes a lot more when it comes to parenting. Um, it's not just, <laughs> oh no, I don't think about it or, you know, but I do like to be led by God when it comes to um, my parenting. So I am like thinking, praying about, all right, God, what is it that you want him to do? What is it that you want me to say to him? Or how is it that you want me to, to raise him? Um, when it comes to stuff that he watches or something that stuff that he listens to, like, how am I, excuse me, my sinuses are draining. It's all good. Mm. Oh, goodness. How am I showing him the love of Christ and just finding ways to do that? <coughs> I'm so sorry. No problem. Any- but if yeah. If you want to go get so some I- water, you can. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. I should be okay. But yeah, that requires a lot more thinking. It prayer as well, but it also requires a lot more thinking. Um, just because I want, you know, I need to think about being intentional about what I'm exposing him to, or what I'm saying around him, or what I'm teaching him. Because now he's in this stage where he is soaking up everything that you say. Like you can say, yeah. "Bam," and he's, "Bam." You know, right behind you, two seconds, like literally everything you say. So I really have to think in that part on like what I'm saying, you know, to him or somebody else because he's he's always listening. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what you were saying with your your times and thinking to yourself, OK, uh, if I set a goal like 49 seconds, that's that's limiting. Uh, I'm curious how you approach goals in your running Um that like do you set time goals for yourself or do you set different kind of goals um like when it comes to training training I do have time goals actually my coach um gives us goals that we we need to reach like each week um we we get faster each week so that's how I would you know my time goals as far as training wise you know he does that for me and it's just a progression that my body goes through each week that, you know, he's, we're expected to get faster each week. So it's not really a, a goal that I set for myself. Now I do set a goal for myself when it comes to like my seven minute, my mile runs or my 15 minute runs, because those are harder for me. So those require a lot more effort than me doing like repeat 200s or like 600s and stuff like that. So I do set myself, um, do set goals for, for that sometimes because if I do set goals, you know, sometimes you put a little bit too much pressure on yourself. So I give myself, okay, I want to run this by the end of this cycle that we're on. Like when it comes to our 15 minute runs, okay, I want to get down to this time. I have six weeks to do that. Or if we're doing a mile run, I want this time. I have six weeks to do that, but I make it to where it's something that is not too far fetched from what I know I'm capable of, or, you know, what I think I can is capable of. But I'm working on that too. It's not set goals for that. Just really just to build my strength up and to just let it be just like how I do if I'm competing. Yeah. And then for races, do you set time goals or for a season that you want to get your race to a certain time or you don't use time goals for your races? Nope. Yeah. Um, Because I, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to say I don't want to set myself up for disappointment if I don't hit it. It's just, I just let God work. 
honestly. Um, and whatever he wants me to run that season, you know, I'll run. Like this year, I didn't PR this year, and I was completely fine with that. Um, I didn't beat myself up about it or anything like that. You know, of course, I would love to run faster. I would love to run 48 seconds and stuff like that. But I just believe in it'll happen when God wants it to happen in his timing. So I don't want to like either rush the process or get upset when I say, okay, God, you said I can do this, but he doesn't do it what I think he's supposed to do it. So I just leave that literally up to him that he's going to get me there whenever that may be. I don't know, but I do have a goal before right. I'm done running as far as like before my career is ending, ended to actually run 47. Uh, well, hey, 47 too, if you want to put that out there. Because <laughs> he can, if, if anybody can do it, God can do it. So I, you know, I do have that type of goal is to run a certain time, like when I'm done running, before I'm done running, you know. But as far yeah. as each season goes, no, I try not to, I try not to do that. Yeah. Did you have um, goals for this season that weren't related to time? To make the Olympic team. Yeah. Awesome. To make the <laughs> check. <laughs> the biggest thing to make the Olympic team. Um, and even after making the Olympic team, like, honestly, I didn't think I would make it to the finals. And that's what I say when I mm. don't think, you see, limited myself yeah. to not make it. Yeah. Finals. Well, yeah. See, there now that was a great example of why I choose not to think. Um, but yeah, I and I made it, you know, God superseded what I thought I could do. So Yeah. But yeah. It's powerful. Was, was a check. I didn't expect to win the Diamond League final. Like I wasn't expecting any of any of that. I yeah. wasn't expecting any of that. Wow, that's Amazing to think of, yeah, how it feels when you weren't even expecting it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, one of the best moments ever. Yeah. What do you yeah, think now it's... looking back on on your accomplishments of this season? That I have a lot more left, that God is not done, um, and that he's still working. And this season has really taught me how to have a heart of gratitude for him and everything that he's doing for me, whether it's winning, whether I'm not like I'm losing or whatever, not even losing, whether I don't have a good race or not. It's just still being able to walk away with joy in my heart, knowing that God is taking care of everything, that God is going to work everything out, knowing that you know I'm still here for a reason and that it's okay. Everything is going to be okay. Win or, win or lose, first, second, fifth, whatever place I come in, like I walk away with the joy in my heart that I've never had before. Um, and I just have so much gratitude because of my spiritual walk has gotten so much better. And I realized that this track thing is just a way for me to just be one with Christ. And that's how I look at it now. I don't look at it for the medals. I don't look at it for the money or, you know, for the name, or I guess some people call it to, for the fame. Um, I don't look at it for that. I just look at it really just a way to, to be in worship with God when I'm on that track and to show people that when you see me out there praying or when you see me out there with my hands up, that's my lifestyle. It's not something I just do for the cameras or something I just talk about when I'm in interviews, but that's literally like, that's my lifestyle. As you can see, like I have my Bibles like sitting right here. Um, I'm getting emotional. Like I, I'm just at a different space in my life where everything is, is happening for a reason. Um, And that like, 
I love them. As much as I talk about the Lord, that's like, I love the Lord. I love being a woman of faith and everything like that. Like, like I said, this is my lifestyle. It's not something that, you know, people who go on campus sometimes like, oh, first I'd like to thank God and stuff like that. But, you know, they're not relational with him. Like, this is literally my lifestyle. And this is what I'm trying to teach my son, whether he goes a different way as he as he's older or not. But he will have a foundation of, of faith and, you know, the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what you were just saying reminded me of something that you either said or re- that I was reading um, that you felt like becoming a mother made you feel like true unconditional love um, from from God to yourself. And I'm curious if you can give me an example of like. Um, it's it was in those moments where, you know, like I said, my son, he would do something to frustrate me or I would think about there's going to be times where I'm going to have to discipline my son. Or I'm going to have to, you know, yell at him, spank him and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, nothing could take away the love that I have for my son. Nothing could, nothing he can do could ever make me love him any less. Even if he, Lord forbid, he never hurts anybody, but I'm still going to love him because I gave birth to him. And if we think about the way Jesus loves us, that he sent his son to die for us and that nothing can separate us from his love. If we if we go out here judging people, or all the sin in the world could never separate the love that God has for us, and that we're always welcome back to Him with open arms. He will welcome you back, and and I was just like, wow, the way that I love my son, like this is how God feels about me. Like He loves me that much that no matter what I do, I am never too far away from Him that I can't reach my hand out to Him, and He's gonna grab it and say, "Daughter, come back." Um, so, and it was just in like on his birthday, I was just sitting and I was just like, wow. It's like, thank you, God. Like, thank you for that love. And it's just like me carrying that in my, in my parenting, in my, in my running, like I said, just gave me a different gratitude for, for God and for what he's done for me. And just to learn that, you know, no matter what goes on in my life, you know, not being able to run the four by four and stuff like that. Yes, that hurt. But at the end of the day, I had to realize that when you are a child of God that this worldly stuff does not matter. It's about what you're doing on this earth and how you're touching people on this earth about what you're doing. That's your story is still going to reach people that you don't even, you're never even going to meet. Um, so yeah, it's just like, once I realized that after I had my son, it was just like, it was, it was, it's different. It's just so different when you just understand that the, like his love, it never fades, that he's never going to change and that he is a perfect father. Um, I, I did want to ask Mark, because I had um, been reading what you had shared about your disappointment over not being on the four by four and, and someone saying something really hurtful to you after the race. Um, and, you know, you don't need to tell me like more about who said that or what they said, but I, I did feel like, oh, wow, this is such a relatable moment of someone who was like, so on top of the world, um, who still felt like pain and, and self-doubt at this moment that was also a high in so many ways. Um, and I'd be curious to hear more about like how you got yourself from the place of initial reaction to what you were just sharing of realizing there's, there's, you know, a much bigger picture here, what that looked like, if that was just kind of like you and your own thinking, or was that you talking with people or like how, yeah, what that process looked like. Um, it was both. Cause I, like, I, I cried a lot when I mean, I cried a lot. Like I cried and I cried a lot. Um, and it was to a point where I was going to shut my season down right after the Olympics. And I went to, I would, 
when I got back, I think I had maybe like three days to be at home. Um, and then I went back to practice. But when I'm back to practice, like I was there physically at mm-hmm. practice, but mentally I was just not at practice. Like I was just literally just going through the motions. So it was, you know, I had to pray. I talked to my mom. You know, my coach was there, my husband and uh, my apostle, you know, they always just speaking life into me. But at the end of the day, you know, it's up to you on um, where you take what you're going through. And then God had to tell me, he was like, don't cry over missed opportunities, but rejoice in the ones that are yet to come. And he had to remind me that, Panera, this is not what you did this for. This is not what I blessed you with this gift for. Yes, medals are good and stuff like that, but your story is much more important than the medals that you win. There's much more people relatable to you than any first place medal or anything like that. Like, There's more people that you're going to touch by not being on this relay team than you would have by being on the relay team. And he just really had to tell, like, the person, they told me that, and you're like the first person I'm sharing, like, outside of my family, that they went with people who they thought could get the job done. So for me, that was a smack in my face because it's just like, you're telling me, basically you're telling me I'm not good enough. And then God had to bring me back, like, whose daughter are you? Are you not the daughter of a king? Do I not make you valuable? Do I not call you worthy? Don't let man tell you what you are capable of or not capable of because they don't give you your gift. They don't give you your talent. They don't write your destiny. So he really had to like check me into going back to like, remember who you are and remember whose you are. You're not of this world. So don't worry about what you're not getting or all the things that you're going to miss by not being an Olympic champion and just realize that I still have my hand on you. The same guy that promised you that you're going to go to the Olympics is the same guy that promised you that you're going to get a medal. His timing is his timing, not my timing. So it took a, it took a good little bit for me to really just, you know, pull myself back together. Cause I was really in a, I was really in a bad place. Like I even, I got as far as wanting to quit running because that to me, that really just, it was a smack in my face. Honestly, it just felt like a really big smack in my face. So I just really had to go to God and pray and do a lot of crying and a lot of cleansing. And one thing I did have to do was I had to pray about forgiveness, even though they may not felt like they had anything wrong to me. To me, they they hurt me. And, you know, I held that on and I had to literally say, God, for they not know what they do. Help me forgive. Told me to not hold a grudge for people that don't even know that they offended you or that they hurt you. So that was a really big lesson that I had to learn too is about really true forgiveness for those people um, who said those things or even for the women who ran that relay. Um, you know, it was just it was just different things that I had to go through. And I'm actually gonna make a video about it pretty soon because people are still asking about, you know, the Olympics and stuff like that. So I am gonna make a video explaining to everybody just the whole process of everything that happened in my experience. And then once again, like I said, my testimony that people are going to see about that. And people were calling it, um, well, yeah, this way to show redemption and stuff like that. I'm just like, no, it's not. I wouldn't call it a redemption story because it's just like, it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen. It happened that way because that's how God allowed it to happen. Cause you know, I came back, like I said, I came back and won the diamond league trophy. So they're like, aha, yeah. smacking your face. Like, look what she did. And I'm, that's great. But that's still, 
that's you're still missing the bigger picture. You're still missing God in everything that he's doing in my life. You know, people always try to count me out when it comes to track and feel like I'm literally always counted out. <laughs> and that's the thing that I love the most about being who I am, that I'm forever counted out. When it comes to USA's, I'm never one of the top runners that they choose to win or that they choose to make the team. I'm never, I'm never in that number, but God always shows up at the right time. Cause they even said that the Olympic trials, when I ran the first, the first heat, I mean the first this, um, prelims, Oh, you know, Hayes looks tired. Hayes, you know, she just looked like she did this or she doesn't like she's ready. Came back the next day, ran faster, came back the ne- next day, ran faster. And I won. And that's yeah. what I love so much about being in Christ is that God just keeps showing people. It's not about what you say about her because I have my hand on her. That's my child. And that's one thing that, like I said, that keeps me going is just knowing that it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, God has a final say in what I do. And that's why I always choose to give him the glory after every race, before every race and everything in between. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like um, it's a way that you've uh, changed where your self-worth comes from. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And just because at the end of the day, you know, people are always going to say something. And if you're not right with yourself or you, you don't know who you are in Christ and stuff like that, people can tell you anything. and You start to believe those things. Um, and you start to think about those things that people are telling you and you, you don't know how to get, you don't know how to break away from that. So when you line up on that line and people, they're like, oh man, well, they said I wasn't going to make it to the final. They said I wasn't ready. They said I wasn't fast enough. You begin to hold on to those things. And when you're running, oh my gosh, she's in front of me. I'm not ready. I'm not faster than her. I can't beat her. And then you don't. But if you line up there confident, knowing that God has given me the ability, I'm here just like I deserve to be here. I have every reason to be here. I've worked hard to be here. And no matter what happens, you still walk away knowing that you gave it all your all and that it just wasn't your time at that moment. But that doesn't mean that you're not worthy of being there or that you're any less of a good runner, you know, than the next. Yeah. I've heard you say that you try to stay, stay within yourself during a race. And is that, I wanted to ask you more about what that meant. Is is that kind of what it means of like, being not worrying about other people's races or what other people are saying or doing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a thing that happened at the finals of the two of the four, uh, not the, four of the 400 at the Olympics. Um, I was trying to stay within myself because the girl in front of, cause I was in lane two. So everybody's in front of me and you feel like, you yeah, run that entire curve. So what I did and the girl in front of me pulled up. So I had no idea of where I was in that race. So yeah. I got on the back, you know, I relaxed and I ran my race, but I kind of relaxed too much because I didn't know want to go like, all right, all right, Quinera, don't burn out all your energy here on this back trip because you don't like. Like I said, I didn't know exactly where I was in that race because there was nobody in front of me. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, <laughs> it kind of backfired a little bit. But like I said, I walked away with that race full of joy. But it wasn't until after I got back to the warm up area that everything went left because I was very proud of myself for how I ran that race. And be, like not really letting it get to me because, like I said, the girl in front of me jumped up, and for me, I'm not used to running in lane two. And when she jumped, it kind of just like it kind of threw me off seeing her jump up. Cause I'm like, all right, Quinera, like, what do you do now? Because you and your coach had a race plan, and she was a part yeah. of that race plan. So you know that's what happened with that. So I just really tried to stay 
within myself and not worry about who's going too fast. Like my coach, we always talk about a race plan before I run. And I rehearse yeah. that over and over in my head, you know, before before I run. So that way when I'm on that, when I'm in that race and I'm on that line, I already know what to do. And I do it. I execute the way he tells me to execute. Um, but that one was just that one was just a little bit different. And it yeah. didn't it didn't go as planned, but <laughs> and, she, know, and she was gone right away too. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like the first thirty meters of the race, it was like, Oh my goodness, I'm done and I was like, ah, I don't know what to do. So I really just handled it like the best way I knew how and just not try not to go with them because he because my coach told me like, Whatever you do, it may look like you're behind, but don't run with them. And I guess, you know, I'm a very literal person. So I kind of really took that and as you would say, ran with it. <laughs> so that, that was when everybody thought that, oh, yeah, I was tired and stuff like that. I'm like, no, that was just a mere execution era. It had nothing to do with my physical strength because I walked right up those stairs after I was in running. Fine. I was yeah. not tired. I was not hurt. It was just really execution era and execution mistake. And that's what a lot of people don't understand because, you know, they're not where I am. They're not in my shoes. They were not, you know. They don't know me or talk to me, but, you know, everybody else had their assumptions about what did I do wrong or that I wasn't ready or that I wasn't focused. And I'm just like, well, how do you not be focused at the Olympics, making it all the way to the finals? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Or that I choke. How do you choke at the Olympics and make it all the way to the finals? So, you know, it's just like in like reading stuff like that, you just that's why, once again, it, it comes in knowing who I am in Christ, because you see these comments and you see what people have to say. And, and they're not so nice especially when you know what really happened and stuff like that. And it was just, I had to do a lot of praying about those types of things. Yeah. That's uh, such a nice, inspiring story for, you were talking about forgiveness for other people um, earlier, but also for, for self-forgiveness and to be able to finish something and not beat yourself up for it and just immediately acknowledge, oh, it was this thing this thing happened, um, you know, like you said, execution error. Um, but like, it sounded like you had no, there was no doubt in yourself, no beating yourself up. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's really inspiring to think of all the things that I beat myself up over that other people beat themselves up over that are much smaller and to realize like, oh, look at this story of it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I try my best to really just find the joy in everything. Um, like I said, there's times where I do get down, but I always have to remember, you know, just always take it to God. And to never carry those types of things on my heart because those things, they're like a virus. They spread. And then when you start beating yourself about one thing, oh, here's another thing that I didn't do or that I can't do. Or, oh, here's another thing. Like, it's it starts building on top of each other. And you're just, and at the end, like, you just start feeling like, okay, I'm not worth it. I'm, I'm worthless now. Or I'm not good enough at anything. And, like, what am I doing? You start questioning yourself and you know, all the plans that God has given you or put on your heart, you're just like, God, can I do this? Or God, are you sure you want me to do this? And you start questioning him. So it's just, it literally affects every part of your life. Um, and I was going to say something else, but I forgot what it was. It was really important. I don't know what it was. Maybe it'll come back to me. Yeah, if it comes back, uh, you can bring it back. Um, what, what for you um, in parenting... What have been, you feel like, some of the more challenging parts of becoming a mother? Scheduling. Just trying to stay on a consistent schedule. Um, trying to cook in the afternoons or 
you know, spend time with him when I'm tired from training and I can't really be outside. And just when I want to take a nap, it's just trying to find that balance of being a mom, being an athlete, um, and just really trying to raise a decent human being, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) I just really want to raise a decent young man. Um, a respectable young man. That's, that's been one of the hardest things. Oh, and if you're doing, like doing his hair, that's a big um, challenge for me. Yeah, uh, really, one of the worst. <laughs> one of the, that little guy does not. Ugh, he does not like his hair to be touched. I was about to ask if you liked uh, getting his hair done or not. Sounds like no. <laughs> you can't even like go to like scratch his hair, like you know. And he cuts a fit. It takes three of us to wash his hair. Two, three. Yeah. One person is holding his legs. I'm holding like his upper body, and then like the other person will be like washing his hair and doing all that stuff. Yeah, that sounds like trying to give give my dog a bath. It's like so sad because you're like you need this, but I see that you hate it. But like, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really really tough. It's tough. Yeah. But hopefully eventually he'll uh he'll come out of that. <laughs> He's getting a little better with getting it done, but as far as washing his hair, oh gosh. Nope, nothing yeah. works. Nothing works. See, I can brush him with like a little lollipop because he doesn't really get candy too often. So if I'm actually doing his hair instead of washing it, I can just say, Hey, you want an Olipop? And he'll sit and he'll cry, but he'll sit still and eat lollipop while he cries. So I'm like, take it. And he's a great victory in the day of doing his hair. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Such a funny visual. Him crying, eating the lollipop. <laughs> One day I'm going to yeah. post it on my Instagram. And you guys are going to see what I go through. Yeah. People would, people would enjoy <laughs> that. <laughs> it's a story. Because then like when I wash his hair, um, I'm, he's like, it's okay, baby. It's okay. Because that's what I say to him. I'm like, it's okay, baby. It's okay. So now he started repeating back everything I would say to him while I'm washing his hair. Like he's trying to calm himself <laughs> down. I'm getting his hair washed. So he's like, it's okay, baby. Almost done. Almost done. Okay. Okay, baby. Okay. I'm right here. And then when he gets up from when I'm finished, he's like, yay, we did it. And then he goes like this. <laughs> he's like, yeah, we did it. And I'm like, yeah, good job, buddy. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, and it's so cute I feel so bad but it's just it's just so cute so cute but he hates it and I'm pretty sure he well you know, what a funny yeah what a funny example of like learning self-talk and you know how we right. try to learn how to self-talk more positive to ourselves like that's that's how it happens uh you, you hear it a bunch of times and you say it to yourself that's you're absolutely right that's really good I like that so now I'm gonna keep talking to him because I do that now. When he's like, "I'm, I scared," I'm like, "No, you're brave. Say I'm brave. Say I'm brave." So now he's getting into the habit of saying, "No, I'm brave. I'm brave." Every time he thinks that he's scared of something, and I try to help him through whatever it is that he's scared about, and say, "Look, see, you're brave. You're brave." So he's getting into that part of you know self talk and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're giving him the the language and the tools like for his own resilience. Yeah. He's a tough little, tough little one, little boy. Yeah. Um, do you have, um, things that you wish you had 
known before becoming a mother? Hmm. I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't say that I do. Because, um, like, I was telling someone else, like, you can read all of the parenting books in the world, but nothing prepares you like for motherhood, like motherhood, until you actually have that baby in your arms and you're dealing with that baby. Um, nothing prepares you better than that. Um, but there's nothing that I wish I knew before having him. Um, no. Like everything was just literally, you know, you learn as you go. You know, I do read up on stuff like if he's sick or something or if he's got some kind of something going on. Like I, I will Google it and stuff like that. But there's nothing that I wish I had known before I was pregnant. Uh, maybe a little bit more about breastfeeding, maybe. But, you know, I just didn't produce enough milk. So I couldn't breastfeed. But that was, you know, that's nothing that you could know beforehand. Um, yeah. Or maybe when it comes to sleep training. No, actually, no, because I did what I did because I had to. So, yeah, no, there's nothing that, um, nothing. It sounds like you've, you've <laughs> liked learning on the job and like not anticipating things and just letting it kind of unroll as a surprise. Yeah. Cause I even, I went into it not trying to know things to read up on it. Cause when you, um, when you read up on like pregnancy and childbirth, they tell you, don't go in with any expectations of, you know, of your labor or don't listen to anybody else's story. So I had already had that prerequisite in my mind as to, you know, don't expect anything. Just, you know, your experience is your experience. And that's the same way I went about it. You know, after I had DP, you know, I listened to other people's stories and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, every child is different. So um, it was, it was the same for, you know, childbirth and after I had him. Yeah. Did you, um, think a lot or at all about your, the mental tools you use in track and in training during childbirth? I did. Um, there, like sometimes when I would feel pain in track practice or when I was going through pain with anything, um, and I would have to just like literally sit through it and just breathe and let it pass by. It was the same thing when I was having my contractions. I would have to, I would feel one coming and I would really just have to like, I would not breathe for a little bit. And then I would just really have to like calm myself down, talk myself through it and, you know, mellow myself out and let the contractions pass through. And that worked for the majority of, you know, my labor. And I think like maybe the last two minutes or my last two contractions is where I was just like, oh my gosh, he's coming. Like this hurts. And I screamed. But other than that, like before that, like I was, I was fine. Or anytime my stomach would hurt while I was in practice, like I would just have to let it pass through so I could get to the next rep. And I would just calm myself down. All right, Panera, like you got this, you got this, just, just do it. You only got this amount of runs left, like stuff like that. So like I took that into childbirth um, about, you know, the self-talk um, and, you know, being your own cheerleader, being your own motivator when it came to stuff like that, um, because you know, you're in, you're in labor. Nobody feels the pain but you. They know what you're going through, but at that moment, nobody's feeling it but you. So it was just really just breathing, 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 and yeah. trying to get through. And like I said, it helped um, for the majority of my labor because for one, I didn't even know I was in labor. I thought I was having Braxton Hicks. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, he's on his way. I'm like, oh, okay. 
<laughs> it's the real deal. The real deal. It's, it's not fake, Quinera. So get ready. They thought it was, um, but I told them, I'm like, no, I'm hurting. I'm hurting because I told my doctor, I, I had my nine month checkup the day before he was born. I told my doctor, I'm like, I'm like, I'm hurting. You know, like in my stomach, it, it just kept hurting. And he checked me and I was only two centimeters dilated. And he was like, oh, well, you can be that way for another month. And I was like, I'm not going to last a month. And then <laughs> I saw him the next day. And I was like, doctor, what I told you. Because I just kept hurting. I was just like, I'll be driving. And I would really have to like, like while I wouldn't close my eyes now. I have my eyes open because I'm driving. But I would like <laughs> literally like just sit up like this in the car like while driving because I was, I was in so much pain. Um, yeah. And I was just braxton hicks hurt <laughs> and then i had to record i had to you know that you get the app and you start tracking yourself and i'm like okay this is three minutes i'm still feeling like i you know and it will come back every three minutes i'm just like something's not right so i went to my nana's house which is next door and i was just like walking around and i ended up calling a doctor and i was like hey you know i don't know if i'm in labor or not you know it's my first child but i keep having pain i was like well come in and we'll check you and they checked me, but I was still two centimeters dilated um, for the lungs. I was not dilating, but my contractions were two minutes apart. So he was ready. Yeah. My body wasn't ready, but he like they were two minutes apart. And they was like, okay, well, we're going to take you back because I waited for about an hour before they took me back. And then they had to break my water because, like I said, I was I just was not dilating. So they ended up breaking my water, and he came in like an hour later. Wow. Yeah, it was a beautiful. He was really birth. ready. Yeah, because he was head down at like four months. And I, every time I would go get checked, like he was head down. And I'm just like, that's all right, friend. Slow your roll. Slow your roll. <laughs> so I had like, nine, nine months, like on the day I turned nine months, I had him. Wow. Yeah, that was a beautiful. Like I, if I could do my birth all over again, like I would. That's how, that's how beautiful it was. And, you know. The experience of it all was, it was just amazing. It, like, I would do it over. I would have, I would yeah. have my son. I wouldn't have a new baby, but I would have my <laughs> son. Not a new one now. Let's get that one out there. I don't want. <laughs> You'd have Demetrius would, again. <laughs> have Demetrius' birth, his my pregnancy with him, like the whole. Not, I, I would do that all over again. Not a new child. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't put it out there. Quinera Hayes wants another baby. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Everybody asks me, do you want another one? No. If the Lord <laughs> then yes. But no, I am good. I am one. I'm scared. I am terrified to have another baby. I'm I am absolutely terrified because I'm just like Demetrius, his birth was his pregnancy, everything was perfect. If I can say it was perfect, it was perfect. And I'm scared that my next my next child oh won't be that graceful for me. I'm scared that yeah. that one is just take me out for the count. And I do not. I don't want that. I don't want those problems. I do not. At, mm -mm. Yeah. I'm fine. I hear a lot about First children being being easy and the second just being like a whole other world. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm scared. I'm going to tell you that yeah. right now. I'm I, I'm a second child, so I know that I did that to my mom and dad. <laughs> Please. 
how many do you have? Just one? I just have have the one. Yeah. So what about you? Or do you want another one? I think I do. Um not like super soon. Um, but I, I have three other siblings and I really like having siblings. So I think oh I don't think gosh, I want to have three more babies, but I I could I think I could have one more. <laughs> so everybody's oh, not to my sister or brother, and I'm just like they cost money. A lot they of do. money. And it's you know, my friends my friends who are only children are like, Oh my god, no, I love being an only child. Um and so like I feel like everyone loves the setup they have, you know? I need to talk to those people that let me that says, Oh, they love it and that'll keep giving me encouragement to not have any more. And not give yeah, in to what just, people need to do. Yeah, only take the advice of only children. <laughs> That's exactly what we do. You're not an only child, don't talk yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay, Lord caused me to have another one then, you know, but he knew I needed Demetrius to keep running. So, you know, that's why he blessed us with him. So, yeah. Him, yeah. I would not be having this conversation if it wasn't for my son. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to hear, um, you know, in, what I've shared about the book so far. Um, do you feel like there are other things that you want to share for it or other things that you think I should be like looking for, you know, stories about X or advice on X? Um, just about self-care when it comes to mothers after they have their kids. Cause you know, we oftentimes we do forget about ourselves because we're trying to be this mother and always be there for the child. But we have to realize that, you know, we need to be there for ourselves as well. Because if we're not happy, then our child is not happy. If we're not functioning, then our home is not functioning. So just, you know, the self-care aspect of being a mom and taking that time for yourself and um, remembering who you are, not just, oh, I'm such and such mom, but I am such and such. I am a mother of, you know, just keeping that yourself first and that may sound selfish to a lot of people but I put myself first before I put my child because that's the way the only way I can be a good mother to him if I take care of myself first so that would be a thing that like just don't really talk about these days um as far as like getting away from your child yes we do need that time to be away we need that sanity to to be away from this child to not hear mama 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 or help me or like we need that and not a lot of people yeah. talk about that you know, be shamed or there's this, this world that we're living in today is, is shaming mothers for what they do, you know, for them or their household is just, it's ridiculous. And I think that we need to, you know, bring it to the forefront. Like, it's okay. Don't let anybody shame you for wanting to go and go have a night, girl's night out or go get your nails done without your child. It, there's nothing wrong with that. There's literally nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you have other examples of ways that you take care of yourself that someone might say like, Oh, this is selfish, but you know, it really fills you up. Cause I think a lot of moms would like to like know oh, someone else is doing this too. I send my child to his grandma's house. Yeah. Yep. I send him all the way to North Carolina. I, they want to come get him. Hey, y'all want to come get DP? Fine. And that's not just because I'm running or anything like that. I send him just because like I need a break. Um, you know, most people are like, oh, you know, she's letting her mom raise her child or she's letting someone else raise her child. No, I am very involved in my child's life. But there are times where I just need maybe a week 
or a few days. And my my mom has, I call her mommy. You want to come get DP this weekend if you don't have to work? And she'll come get them, no problem. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. a lot of people, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Or mothers who are working and have to send their child to someone else to watch. You know, that's, you know, being shamed upon, like frowned upon too. But I have to make a living for myself. Um, but yes, just being able to let your child go be with somebody else, whether it's their grandparents, aunts, uncles, just getting the time away. And people are just like, oh, well, you need to be there for your child or you need to be around your child. You don't know such and such. And I'm just like, my child's going to go. Yeah. I, I always, really- yeah, I kind of, I bristle at that phrase of like when people say, you know, you shouldn't let someone else raise your child. And I think like, you know, if you flip that around, how amazing it if you're, is it if your child's raised by a community um, that they're, they're not supposed to be just, we're not supposed to be just raised by one or two people or, you know, uh-huh. raised by a community is even more powerful. Yeah. And that's what helps me. Like when I have to leave my child with somebody like, uh, and I tell people all the time, my baby's okay. I can leave him with one of my friends and he will not cry after me. He will like, be like mommy, mommy. But if I leave out that door, you know, he sees me leave. He can't see me leave now. But if he comes back and I'm not there, he's not one of those children that would keep crying until I come back because he's been, been so used to not being so attached to me that it's easy for me to leave him with my mom, my Nana, or one of my friends, and he's okay. And he's ready for school right now because he's not that attachment issue that kids have these days that their moms, you know, feel they need to be attached to their kid all the time. No, my baby will go. He's like, somebody leave this house. Bye, mommy. Bye. I said, all right, well, give me a kiss. I'll see you later. He'll come give me a kiss and be out that door. Like, he does not. Yeah. He does not. One of the things I feel like I was really blessed with as far as my community, as far as my village, because I t- um, I was going to get an abortion. Um, I think I've mentioned this before in some of my interviews that I was yeah, going to get an abortion. Yeah, I read that. Um, but, you know, I, once again, God had to put me in check. Um, and then I was like, well, God, if you're blessing me with this baby, you're going to give me a means to provide for this baby. And that when it came to like finances or even just being able to have people watch him, um, I was like, you know, you're going to, you're going to work things out. And he did to where my cousin lives with me and she watches my baby during the day and she works at night. So I watch I watch her little girl and my son at night. And he, if he needs to come to North Carolina, there's never a problem because my Nana's always home, even though my mom works. My nana is here. My sister's home from the military. So he's literally given me that solid foundation that I need to raise my child. And he has a village of great men and women in his life that I'm thankful for. Um, so I let him go. I, I like I let him be him. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious if you'd be open to sharing more about the process of thinking that you wanted to get an abortion to then deciding to to have Demetrius, like what that looked like, how you moved from one decision to the other. Um, so when I found out I was, I was pregnant, um, of course I, I cried like a baby. Um, and then it was just a matter of like me thinking about my career because I was literally just getting started with my career and I was just, and then, you know, you would hear stories about sponsors, like when women get pregnant and how their sponsors were due and just like not being able to run again and, you know, not being able to run after I had my baby and stuff like that. So like I wrestled with that for a very, a very, very long time. And I would cry. I even wrote him a letter before, like when I was thinking about having an abortion, like I wrote him a letter and, you know, just saying sorry to him and just like literally everything. Um, 
But, you know, once I thought about, like, I was going through with it, looking at abortion clinics and stuff like that, I just got so depressed. I I got really, really depressed. And I, I just wasn't myself. And then I just started praying. It's just like, God, like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And he put it on my heart. And he was, you know, basically said to me, Quinera, you didn't give life, so how can you take life? And I was like... God, you're right. If you like, you bless me to have this baby. This baby is here for a reason because you you want him here. You, like you, he was formed and you knew him before he was formed in my womb. So after he told me that, I was just like, all right, God, I trust you. I trust that you're still going to get me to the Olympics. I trust that my career is going to be okay. I trust that you're going to provide. And you know, that was that. And then my mom had to like, she even apologized to me because you know she was okay with me getting an abortion. Like we were all on board for this abortion thing. And then later she came back. She's like, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry because that wasn't, you know, very like motherly of me to tell you to do something like that. Um, and, you know, cause she's a Christian woman too. So she, you know, God convicted her heart for even being okay with something like that. And the same thing for my husband. Um, he came around, you know, once we started going through the appointments and he started filming the baby. And then when he found out it was a boy, Game. He was game, and then now you'll hear all of us tell it like, like DP is literally the best thing that happened this ever happened to all of us because he's the only grandchild for my mom. So, you know, it's it's it was one of, one of those things. Like I said, I just I really pray through everything, and I really try my best to discern what God is telling me and to go where He's leading me. But when He said, "Quinier, you didn't give life, so you can't take it." I was like, wow. And I knew that had I gotten an abortion, that would have did more damage to me than me actually keeping my son and and losing my career. Like me keeping that on my mind, knowing that I did something like that, that would have did more damage than good. So now we're here. He's about to be next week. And yeah, I I was thinking about that. that Yeah. This birthday's coming up. Yeah. So you know, time goes by so so fast. Once now, like it's like one minute you have a baby you're holding in your arms, next minute your baby's taking like its first steps, and then they're talking, yeah, and then they're running, and it's just like <laughs> slow down, please. And they're getting ready for school. No, stop. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you've developed a really strong sense of, excuse me, your your intuition um, with processing like big life decisions and knowing what what makes sense for yourself yeah I just really have to think about things like 10 12 steps ahead of what possibilities could happen or you know and just really try to be led by God on what he wants me to do so that you know I'm I'm going to have troubles I'm going to go through things and stuff like that you know because that's just a given but it's just knowing that if I stay where God wants me to go and stay in his will, then everything is going to work out. So I just really try to keep my, my prayer life strong um, so that I can just ensure that I'm doing the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing. Even when I do mess up, um, you know? Yeah. Thanks for listening to mind over miles. You can learn more about my running and mindset coaching, the book, and everything else at mindovermilespod.com.